I'm Abby Holscher with Slayton Holscher Farm in San Angelo, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Jessica Donald. Hello, Texas. It is great to have you once again here for another episode of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me and buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the right to farm will appear on ballots in November. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Jessica Domel and I'm your host, and I'm part of the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, from the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle all the way down to the Rio Grande Valley. It's time for ranchers in the Texas High Plains to begin getting ready for the winter. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. What's the market for pumpkins this fall with a decrease in production in Texas? I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have a report with some answers on Texas Ag Today. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. Extreme South Texas signals a change in weather patterns. We'll have those stories and more in today's report. We'll have those stories, news from Washington, Texas Wildlife News, and a complete look at the markets coming up. In just a few weeks, Texas voters will decide the fate of Proposition 1. Carrie Martin has that story. The right to farm constitutional amendment is on the November 7th ballot, with early voting starting in just a couple of weeks on October 23rd. The amendment will be Proposition 1. And to talk more about that, we have the amendment's author, State Representative Dwayne Burns, in the studio to talk more about it. Representative Burns, let's give the farmers and ranchers of Texas an update on what's been going on with this Proposition 1 campaign and how things are rolling as we move toward Election Day. Well, uh, thanks for having me. We are working hard every single day. Um, like you said, we have about a month left, a month to go until uh, the November 7th election, constitutional amendment elections. Folks should be seeing across the state more social media ads. Um, you'll be hearing more uh, ads on your local radio station, hopefully. You've probably seen billboards by now if you've traveled any of our uh, major thoroughfares across Texas. And uh, at some point, you may even get some letters in your mailbox or some mail from some of our associations or the Right to Farm effort uh, encouraging you to get your friends and family out to vote. So we're, we're right in the heat of it. Uh, response is going well. Folks out in the in the country are, are getting active and telling their stories and encouraging them folks that they work with and, and their friends and families to get out and vote. Uh, I've, I've even seen some social media posts by some of our farmers and ranchers talking about the importance of Prop 1. And I just I can't thank those folks enough for having the courage to get out there and, and explain how important this actually is to Texas. Well, Dwayne, of course, we want all of the farmers and ranchers and rural Texans to get out and vote for this. But we all know here in Texas, the votes are all along that I-35 corridor. So what is the campaign doing to try to convince, I guess, what you'd call those city voters 
to approve this amendment. Yes, sir. Historically, these uh, uh, constitutional amendment elections are low turnout. Um, but in areas where we have some contested mayoral races, like city of Houston, for example, uh, we may have a higher turnout there. So it's imperative that we reach our folks in the urban areas and explain to them exactly how important this uh, this constitutional amendment is to them as well. Whether you're in production agriculture or you're just a person that likes to eat, um, this amendment is for you. And uh, we want to protect the rights of all Texans to farm and ranch. We certainly want to make sure that we have a safe and affordable f- food supply uh, for the future. And uh, that's the point of the Constitutional Amendment. Create food security, plan for our future here in Texas, and make sure that every Texan has access to a safe and affordable food supply. That is State Representative Dwayne Burns of Cleburne. He's the author of the Texas Right to Farm Constitutional Amendment. It'll be Proposition 1 on your ballot. I'm Carrie Martin on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It is time to start thinking about winter. James Hunt joins us with more. We're heading into a critical time for Texas High Plains ranchers when it comes to getting their herds through the cold weather months ahead. I talked about this with Jennifer Kojal of the Texas Tech School of Veterinary Medicine. Here's her observations on current conditions. Because of the rains that we had in the late spring and early summer, cattle are actually looking pretty good as we go into the winter. Body condition scores on cattle are looking really good. Unfortunately, we've moved back into the drought conditions as we've gone through the summer into the fall. So hopefully some have been lucky and got some of the recent rains. But as a whole, body condition scores on cattle are looking really good. And so herds are in fairly decent shape going into the winter, which is really good news. As Dr. Kojal noted, Grazing conditions around the area will vary depending on who did or did not get good rains beyond the spring and early summer. Here are some additional thoughts on keeping cows nourished in the months ahead. So we really want to pay attention to the total protein and energy that our cows need. And so that's going to be based on if they're nursing a calf, if they're gestating a calf. And so really paying attention to protein, energy. And of course, we always want to make sure their mineral needs are met. So those are the three really big components that we want to watch for. And here's some considerations for the calving season to come. Do we have all of our calving supplies together? Do we know exactly when our cows are going to start calving so that we can watch them closely? Things of those nature will really put us in a good shape going into calving season. Once again, that was Dr. Jennifer Kojal with the Texas Tech Vet School in Amarillo. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Drought and heat stress have impacted Texas pumpkin production. Tom Nicoletti joins us with more. Floyd County on the Texas South Plains is the number one pumpkin producing county in the state. But the pumpkin capital of Texas, as it is known, is experiencing a 20 to 40 percent decrease in pumpkins this year due to drought and heat stress. Mark Carroll is Texas AgriLife Extension Agricultural and Natural Resources Agent in Floyd County. We produce about 700 acres of pumpkin each year, and we produce over 100 varieties in Floyd County, anywhere from jack-o'-lantern pumpkins to pie pumpkins and a lot of ornamental pumpkins for decoration. So 700 acres per year with 40% in drop of yield, uh, that's uh, considerable acreage. 
Yes, it is. It's going to impact us going into the next growing season. And uh, farmers are optimistic. That's just part of their profession. So we look forward to getting some rains in the fall and uh, hopefully have a better crop next year. Mark, let's talk about the pumpkin market. Are consumers going to be uh, paying more retail prices uh, for their pumpkins this year? It looks like it's going to be about the same because there's other areas in the country that have had decent harvest compared to Floyd County. In our area, if you're going to get pumpkins, you better go and get them now. I don't think there's going to be a lot in our area. But speaking with our local producers, they're getting the same wholesale price or really close to what they've gotten to in the past. Any idea on, a, on an average price for uh, a certain type of pumpkin that uh, consumers might uh, see at, at their stores or uh, roadside stands? A local pumpkin stands that I've seen around here has been anywhere from three to, I mean, you some of the large pumpkins can get up to $100, you know, just depending on what type of pumpkin you want. Uh, you know, if you go to your retail stores, they're going to be anywhere from 3 to $20. That's Mark Carroll with the Texas AgriLife Extension Service in Floyd County. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. And Jim Hearn joins us from the Rio Grande Valley with an update on the crops in that area. Valley weather patterns are changing. Daytime highs have, well, they're reaching into the mid-90s. That's about 10 degrees cooler than last month. Planting of onions is underway. Pre-watering of uh, planted crops will be needed to get those crops off to a good start. Falcon Reservoir has now fallen to about 9% full. Amistad Reservoir is at 33.5% full. Uh, Both of those are showing a steady decline. South Texas area has missed our usual September rain. The tropical season, well, it's been minimal for the western Gulf of Mexico. And now for any meaningful heavy rain, we'll have to wait for, depending on these uh, impending cold fronts. Now, the harvest of early oranges has just begun. The fruit size a little smaller than what we'd normally like to see. Uh, the fruits also seen some more sun scald, and that was from the severe summer heat. The sugarcane harvest is also gearing up. Some harvesting of plant cane, uh, that is underway. The valley produces, you know, about 36,000 acres of sugarcane. Now, that harvest should be starting in mid to late October. Irrigation crews, well, they're still busy. Two to three week irrigation schedule. Water districts have been telling growers that, well, water could be in limited supply, especially as we move into spring 2024, if we don't see some pretty good rains for this winter season. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. There's a new pilot program through the U.S. Department of Agriculture designed to address ag workforce challenges. USDA's Rod Bain has that report. The ag sector in recent years has faced several challenges regarding its workforce. How do ag employers support and create a safe and healthy work environment? How do we think about supporting employers and employees so they have a very stronger level of commitment to this positive work environment? The resiliency of our food supply chains, how we need to address ag labor challenges and instability, how we need to strengthen protections for farm workers, and how we need to expand legal pathways for labor migration. And according to USDA Farm Production and Conservation Deputy Undersecretary Gloria 
Montaniel Green. USDA's latest effort to address some of these issues is a new pilot program, the Farm Labor Stabilization and Protection Pilot. Up to $65 million in grants are available to domestic ag employers meeting federal employment criteria, with grant applications due November 28th. More details are available online at www.ams.usda.gov FLSP. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. Texas Parks and Wildlife is accepting comments on a proposal that would impact where hunters dispose of unused deer carcass parts. And there's a new method to castrate calves and lambs. We'll have those stories and more coming up next right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas has lost over 2 million acres of agricultural land in the last 25 years. That's a threat to family farms, our economy, and our food supply. This is State Representative Dwayne Burns, and I'm here with my friend, Super Bowl champ, and Dallas Cowboy legend, Jay Novacek. You know, I've been a real cowboy my whole life, so I'm asking everyone to go out and vote for Proposition 1, the right to farm amendment that this guy, Dwayne Burns, actually wrote. Whether you're a cowboy or not, this is important to all Texans. We all need access to safe and affordable food in the future. Proposition 1 protects our family farms and ranches, so so they can grow our food right here in Texas. On November 7th, please head to the polls and vote for Proposition 1, the Food for Texas Amendment. Yeah, come on, Texas. Let's do it Jay's way. Vote for Prop 1 and then spread the word with your friends and family. Learn more about Proposition 1 at right2farmtexas.com. That's right, the number 2, farmtexas.com. Howdy neighbors, Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. There's a new tool for castrating lambs and calves. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd joins us with that report. The use of heavy elastic bands for castration of calves and lambs has been used for many years. Now, a new tool called LidoBand is available to help veterinarians and livestock producers in the United States and Canada address the need for castration while significantly reducing any associated pain and discomfort in the process. Although the manufacturer claims the product will significantly reduce pain and discomfort in the castration process, the product has not been found by the Food and Drug Administration, or FDA, to be safe and effective, and the labeling has not been approved by the FDA. The company indicates Lidoband is a novel lidocaine-impregnated latex band approved for using calves under 250 pounds and lambs under 50 pounds. Castration is a necessary management practice to control reproduction, manage animal behavior, and improve meat quality. The CEO of Solvay, Lionel Gibbs, indicates Lidoband provides a local soothing anesthesia to the application area. The band is applied above the testicles on the scrotum. Each band contains lidocaine, which the company indicates stops the pain and discomfort associated with the banding castration process, and the lidocaine stays in the local tissue for up to 42 days. By this time, the scrotum and testicles have usually sloughed off, and the banded area stays clean. 
The company recommends using latex gloves when applying the bands, although the application of the bands should not require actually touching the band, as the bands are sealed in individual foil pouches. If you routinely band your calves and lambs, ask your veterinarian about Lidoband. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. To minimize the risk of potentially spreading chronic wasting disease to unaffected parts of the state, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department has proposed a statewide deer carcass disposal rule. The rule would require hunters to dispose of any deer parts not retained for cooking, storage, or taxidermy in one of three ways. Alan Kane, TPWD's Big Game Program leader, explains. It's just those carcass parts that you don't use. So the head, if you're not going to taxidermist or things like that, but the head, the spinal column, bones, the other stuff, it needs to be disposed of. And there's a couple options. One, you can throw it in a dumpster that goes to a trash service that goes to a permitted landfill, which most all that I know of trash services that have dumpsters are going to some sort of permitted landfill. If you don't have that option, you can bury those unused parts in your whatever your backyard, your back pasture, wherever, but you could bury them as long as they're three feet deep and covered by soil. Essentially, so you're not letting scavengers grab those carcass parts and drag them across the landscape. You could save those parts, like you get done cleaning your deer and said, okay, well, I'm going back to my ranch where I'm hunting, you know, next week. And so I could just throw those bones in the back of the, the truck. And then when I'm going back, I just take them and dump them back there on the place where I harvested the animals so you can dispose of them there. It doesn't really change things a lot from hunter other than where you can dispose of them. You know, if you're not the type of person that processes your own deer, you can still take it to a locker plant, and then they would be responsible for disposing those parts in a a landfill or a trash service or bury it. You can comment on the proposal through 5 p.m. on November 1st on the TPWD website. We'll take a look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Howdy neighbors, Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Texas has lost over 2 million acres of agricultural land in the last 25 years. That's a threat to family farms, our economy, and our food supply. This is State Representative Dwayne Burns, and I'm here with my friend, Super Bowl champ, and Dallas Cowboy legend, Jay Novacek. You know, I've been a real cowboy my whole life, so I'm asking everyone to go out and vote for Proposition 1, the Right to Farm Amendment that this guy, Dwayne Burns, actually wrote. Whether you're a cowboy or not, this is important to all Texans. We all need access to safe and affordable food in the future. Proposition 1 protects our family farms and ranches, so they can grow our food right here in Texas. On November 7th, please head to the polls and vote for Proposition 1, the Food for Texas Amendment. Yeah, come on, Texas. Let's do it Jay's way. Vote for Prop 1 and then spread the word with your friends and family. Learn more about Proposition 1 at right2farmtexas.com. That's right, the number 2, farmtexas.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. 
After losses due to concerns with unrest in the Middle East on Monday, live cattle traded higher early on Tuesday but turned mixed around noon as traders became more cautious and skeptical. October live cattle up 20 cents to 182.57. December live cattle down 35 cents to 185. February live cattle down 30 cents to 189.32. Supported by corn trading lower on Tuesday and some support from live cattle trade pushed feeder cattle to trade higher. October feeder cattle up $1.05 to 247.95. November feeder cattle up 70 cents to 250.35. January 2024 feeder cattle even at 251.85. Box beef was lower Tuesday, choice down 43 cents to $302.99, select down $1.47 to $276.03. And now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. My guest today is Russell Heller from Lexington Livestock Commission Company. He and his family sell every Saturday there in Lexington. Russell, how was this last Saturday sale? Yes, sir. Had 759 total head with 82 cows. Can you walk the pens with us? All right. On the thinner packer cows, 50 to 80. And the better cows, 81 to 108. On the steering bull calves, 3 to 400 pounds, 175 to 325. 4 to 5 weights, 170 to 310. 5 to 6 weights, 165 to 285. 6 to 7 weights, 160 to 250. 7 to 8 weights, 150 to 240. On the heifers, 3 to 400 pounds, 160 to 295. Four to five weights, 155 to 270. Five to six weights, 150 to 250. Six to seven weights, 145 to 235. Seven to eight weights, 140 to 215. Good. Now, you had 700 and what? 759. Do you know how that compares to last year? Um, it's a little bit less, but we had about anywhere from two to three and a half inches of rain in the area, and a few people were going to sell them. They decided to keep them, and mm -hmm. one other guy was going to hold his till a week or two, so well, there'll be a few more show up. Good. Do you know of anything for this next Saturday? Yes, I do. One man's going to have 25 good red Angus cross calves. Good. Well, we've got a good start to a great sale there in Lexington. Russell Heller and family put it on each Saturday. Russell, tell everybody how to get a hold of y'all. Sure, you can get me on my cell. That number is 979-820-7002. Russell, thanks for being on the program. We appreciate you. For Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network and Texas Ag Today, I'm Larry Marble. Like live cattle, lean hogs traded higher Tuesday morning, but fell closer to midday as traders became more cautious. October lean hogs down two cents to eighty-one ninety-five. December lean hogs down a dollar and five cents to seventy-one forty-two. Block cheese was unchanged Tuesday at a dollar seventy. Barrel cheese rose three point two five cents to a dollar sixty-one. Dry weight rose up 0.75 cents to 31 cents. October class three milk fell three cents to 16.85 a hundredweight. November class three milk fell 22 cents to 17.28 a hundredweight. We saw triple digit losses in the cotton market on Tuesday as we await the release of several potentially market moving reports. On Thursday, the U.S. Labor Department will issue fresh PPI and CPI numbers. And Thursday, USDA will release its World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates report. According to DTN, exports are expected to be lower in that Thursday WASDE report. Ending stocks are also expected to be lower. December cotton down 151 points to 85.45. March cotton down 134 points to 87.26. 
May cotton down 128 points to 88.22. December corn down two and three quarters to 485 and a half. March corn down two and a half to 501 and a quarter. December hard red wheat down 14 and three quarters to 671 and a quarter. March hard red wheat down 14 and a half to 680 and a quarter. Analysts say that could be due to cheap Russian grain that has entered the market. November natural gas even at 338. December natural gas up two cents to 366. November crude oil fell 51 cents to 85.87. December crude oil down 57 cents to 84.03 a barrel. The Dow up 116 points to 33,721. The S&P 500 up 22 points to 4,358. And the NASDAQ up 83 points to 13,567. Well, that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. We hope you join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.